This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? It's September, friends. Here's another crazy fact. Less than four months till Christmas. Oh, oh. All the detail organizers' head just went tilt. And for those of us that aren't, we're like, someone else is taking care of it. Um, Well, we are entering into the fall um, as individuals, as families, as a church, and, you know, it can be a very busy season, the fall, that there's a lot of stuff to do. As, as I mentioned, Christmas is one of those things coming up, but, you know, we've kind of, most of us are, have moved out of vacation mode, and if you didn't get some vacation, we trust that you'll get some this fall. Um, but what we want to find for ourselves and for our families is a good, healthy rhythm this fall for all of the stuff that we have to do. Because there's a lot of stuff that has to go on this fall, right? I mean, if you're um, a student, you know, you got to go back to school. So you got to do some back to school shopping if you already haven't done so. And then you got to figure out where you're going to school and what classes. And if you're, if you're you know, a high school student, you're going to maybe get some new teachers. And then if you're going to university, you got to figure some things out there. And then there's just, you know, moving back into your job or your career, gearing up for the fall, whatever might be happening with your business or in your company. And then there's a lot of stuff going on personally, right? You know, you, you've got a grocery shop. You got to eat, or you got to go to the restaurant, or you got you got to figure those things out. You know, us as a family in in the fall, we have all uh, in our immediate family all of the anniversaries of the marriages and our family are this fall, and then we have um, our, our girls' birthdays are at the end of September in October, right around the time where we have move conference, and then we have another conference that we're going to be hosting at the end of October, and that's going to be for church leaders, and then just you know busyness of they, and then we have dogs which is a really stupid idea but we have dogs and that makes our lives really busy and then there's just so many things that we got to pay the bills right and then somewhere in there we got to commute we're either getting in a car or we're getting in on the bus or we're getting on the go train and we're going somewhere or we're staying at home and we're going to be really busy if we're working at home we're really busy at home And all of these things, if we look at all of these things and we list all of these things like I just did, they can be overwhelming. It can be just a huge list. Christmas alone can just be a huge list of things that we have to do and accomplish. But what we can do with all of these things that we get to do and not just have to do, that we can find a good, healthy rhythm in there. And and as we've come out of the summer season, partly uh, what we do in the summer, and like I mentioned, that all of us should be taking a vacation at some point in summer. And, And that is sort of a microcosm of a macro way that we should live our lives, that when we find a good, healthy rhythm in our lives, there will be rest in there all of the time. But then there will be work in there all of the time, and then there will be the busyness of the details in there all of the time, and then there will be relationships in there all of the time. And when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, this is something that we see that Jesus had a very healthy rhythm, that Jesus was very busy with ministry and with training up the disciples who were going to then start the church. 
And, and the book of John tells us that if all of the things that Jesus did were recorded, all of the books of the world, all the volumes of the world couldn't contain all that he did. So Jesus was very busy. He was doing a lot of things. But then also we see in the life and ministry of Jesus that he would come us apart, come apart from the crowds and come apart from training his disciples. And he would go to the mountain or he would go to the sea or he would go to the desert. In other words, he would come apart and he would spend time with God and he would come apart and he would rest. And for us to find a good rhythm in our lives, not just with a yearly calendar, but with a, a daily calendar and then with a weekly calendar and a monthly calendar, that God has a rhythm, God has set it up a certain way to help us so that we can find a good healthy rhythm with all of the wonderful things that we get to do and experience. For all of the wonderful times that we get to commute. What are we going to do with that time? And for the wonderful job that we get to work, whether inside or outside of the home. And for all of the details that we get to manage in our lives. And for all the relationships that we get to be a part of. Um, we can find a healthy rhythm with those things so that we don't feel overwhelmed. And we want to look at that here in this series as we start the fall. So Jesus, once again, as our life and, and our example, that he was constantly moving and doing things, and he was action and, and ministry and relationships, but then he would also come apart and do all of these things. So all of these things should be part of our lives, that there should be solitude and rest, and that there should be good, healthy relationships, and there should be the work that we are doing, and all of these things make up life. And God wants us to have a rhythm in our lives. Now, when we think just about the word rhythm, uh, you know, it's akin to a song. And, and when we think about a song, a song has a rhythm. It just means a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Now, every song that we sing here on a Sunday morning and every song that we listen to has a rhythm. Now, our rhythm section um, on our team is our drum and our bass player. And what those guys do is that they hold down the rhythm or the beat of the song. And, so, and if, if a rhythm section ever gets all messed up or if the, the rhythm goes off, it's very hard to sing the song with the rhythm get messed up. Why? Because it's a regular pattern. And it, it what helps us to sing to the song, the rhythm that we hear helps us to sing the lyrics in a certain spot. And it's the same way with life, that life does have a regular rhythm that God has created life so that it can operate, our bodies operate on a rhythm. And part of what we would see with our bodies should help us to understand this is how life is. And so when this, this regular thing, there's some regular things that we should be doing in our lives that help us to have a healthy rhythm as we live our lives. John chapter 1, let's turn over there. Verse 16 says this, and this is the amplified version, paraphrase. Um, the amplified just basically adds more words um, to the original uh, uh, translation so that it helps us to understand it a little bit better. It says, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon, upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. And what we're talking about in this series is the rhythm of grace. That there is um, all of the things that we do, all of the things that we get to do in our lives, there is grace for the things that we are doing that God wants to empower us with his life and with his spirit 
to do and accomplish the things that we are doing in our lives. And we see here in John chapter 1, all talking about Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus, that, he, that we've received grace upon grace. Like I said, just, just in our bodies itself, the way our body functions, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that our heart beats. It's a gift from God that we can think and conceptualize. It's a, think, it's a gift from God that our lungs can inhale oxygen and, and then it moves to our blood and that blood moves to all of the organs in our bodies and all of these interconnected systems work together so that we can then walk around. That's grace. God has given this wonderful gift of life, but not just life in our physical bodies, that he has grace for our lives. So when we think about the word grace... Sometimes we just relegate it to something we do before we eat. Well, we're going to say grace. It is more than that. Or if we think of somebody who might be gracious, an individual, then they're just such a gracious individual. That's a wonderful thing. But when we think about the grace of God, it's such an important doctrine in the Scripture. And it is unique to Christianity. It is unique to our Scriptures, this idea of grace. And we see it specifically um, encapsulated in Jesus, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And when we understand the word grace, a few of the definitions of the word grace, uh, in biblical par- parlance, it means forgiveness, or it's uh, repent- repentance, or regeneration, or salvation, that God gives us the gift of salvation, something we talk about every Sunday, that God has given us this gift of salvation because of what Jesus has done, It's not something we qualify for, and that's, once again, that great understanding of grace. It's not our goodness. It is because of the goodness of God that we receive grace upon grace. And that word um, in the New Testament is, the Greek word is charis, and it just really means gift. And a variation of that word charis is the name Chris. And so we see this name, Chris or Christopher or Christina. So all of you that have that name, you are a gift to us from God. Uh, The second definition, the whole activity of God uh, toward man can be called grace. Everything that God does for man, we think of as grace. Just the broad spectrum from the world that we live in to the bodies that we get to live in. And then narrowly, we can think about all those words that I just said, all of the things that we think about. It's this big idea, and then it's a very small idea. And then it is also God's empowering presence, that God gives us his grace. He never leaves us or forsakes us. That, he, that means that he is present with us to help us to do all of the list of the things that we have to do and accomplish this fall. How are we going to do those things? How, how do we want to accomplish those things? Well, we want to accomplish those things with his presence, with his grace, with the gifts that he gives. Another definition, very famous definition, um, and a common definition would, of grace would be God's unmerited favor toward man. Two very important words, and, and we, can, we can get stuck on either one and, and kind of miss Um, an emphasis, but both of them together are very important, unmerited favor. Now, we can just get stuck on the unmerited part and just think, well, I'm no good, I'm useless, I don't merit anything. And then we can just just think about the favor of God and and just think, well, you know, I deserve the favor of God. But both of these things together are a very strong combination. Unmerited, I don't deserve it, so it's not about me. It's not about what I've accomplished, thank God. But then the favor part 
thank God for the favor part. That God gives us his favor. Now, when somebody does you a favor, helps you to do something, don't you appreciate it? Don't you like it? How much more the favor of God? That the favor of God, how can we describe it? How how can we describe the totality of the favor of God? Man, it's unmerited, but that doesn't mean it didn't cost anything. It cost something. It cost Jesus, his life. He laid it down. And so it's not that it was uh, empty of value, but then his favor, that he gives us his favor. And this is for every area of life. And this is how we're supposed to be living in the new covenant. Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, sometimes people take this and they they turn it into something, well, I'm not living under law, so I don't have to follow any laws. That's not the point of the discussion. The point of the discussion that what is ruling over us is God's grace. We're not going to let sin rule over us. We're not going to be constantly and on purpose missing the mark for God's plan for our lives. But what we're supposed to be living under, how we're supposed to be seeing ourselves is living under the grace of God, the watchful eye of the Father. Now, when we think about this in religious, in religious terms or maybe negative religious terms, we could say it like this, or we, could, we may maybe use this, you know, as a parenting tactic at some point, and it's not a good one. You know, your kids are leaving for a party or something. They're going out. Just remember, God is watching you. (laughs) And we kind of mean it as a negative. We kind of mean it as like, you know, the, the angry God is there and he's watching you. But if we could, because we're living under grace, if we could think about the Father in a different way, that he's giving us his unmerited favor. That means his favor is towards us. Now, my dad, when I grew up, I was playing hockey for about, organized hockey for about seven or eight years. My dad would be at all of my games. I think he missed one or two maybe in those seven or eight years. And every time that my dad was there, I never thought, oh no, my dad is watching. I thought, yes, my dad is here. Some other guys on my team, their dads weren't able to come to the game. But my dad was there, and my dad would always yell, anticipate! (laughs) So that's how I knew that he was there. And what, just a little hockey lesson, that means you you need to go where the puck is going to be, not where it is. It's good advice for life, too. He would yell, anticipate, and so that I know that my dad was there. I wasn't thinking, oh, my dad is here watching my game. I'm so nervous. No, my dad is here. The God God who loves me the most is watching me. And all of the things that I have to do and all of the things that I get to do in life, God is watching me. And he's pouring out grace upon grace. All of the grace that I need all of the time. And then when when I mess up, he gives me the grace of forgiveness and mercy. And then when I have to be a dad and and I have to be a husband, God is giving me grace to do that. And when I have to go to work, God is giving me grace to do that. And when I have to commute and I get to commute, God is giving me grace to do that. 
and I have to accomplish this really long to-do list. God is giving me grace, grace upon grace, gift upon gift, his empowering presence with me all of the time. Thank God for his grace. We need to get into this rhythm of grace. All of the things that I'm doing, that there's grace all of the time for the things that I'm doing, and I'm just walking in the rhythm of the grace of God. The scripture tells us that we should do everything to the glory of God. So all that I would do in life would be empowered by his grace. Man, and it's unmerited favor. I didn't deserve it, but it's so, so good. And he gives it to me. He wants me to walk in his grace. So thank God my father is watching. I need his help all of the time with all of the things. So we see Jesus is our example in this pattern that we see with his life and ministry. And then he invites us in to this rhythm. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 says this. I'm going to read you two different translation, translations of these scriptures here. Matthew 11, verse 25. At the time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little, little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me. Jesus reframes how we should think about life, that I'm living under his gracious will, not laws. Come to me. Come to me for this relationship. Because you can't have a relationship with laws. Are you out there? They're inanimate objects. But he says, come to me. And then what does he say? Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And part of the rhythm of life, we're not going to deal with it today, but part of the rhythm that we need to figure out this fall is rest, proper rest. But then it says rest for your souls, not just rest for your body. We know that that's important and we know that we can't live without that. Rest for your soul, something to do with the inside of you how you think and how you act and how you perceive life. And then Jesus says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this word yoke might be a little bit blind to us, but all of the rabbis, and this is kind of true today with, with different ministers, that their, their teaching or, or how they taught the Old Testament was considered their yoke, their interpretation of the Old Testament. That was their yoke. But Jesus says about his yoke, his teaching, his view on God and the scripture is it's easy and it's light. Now, when we think about life and all of the things that we have to do and we want to be successful in all of the things that we have to do this fall and all the relationships that we're going to engage in and all of the things on our to-do list, we want to be successful in all of those things. 
But success can be a negative driving force. It could just drive us. And it could push us. And it can, and it can become a very negative thing when we, th- we think about something pushing us from behind. Well, this thing is pushing me, and my schedule is pushing me, and this is pushing me, and this is pushing me. But when we come to Jesus, what does he say? My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It doesn't it, when he says, you come to me, well, you won't have to do anything. That's, no, that's not the point. Life still goes on. But when we think about our teaching and how God would deal with us with our lives, because in and around this time, when they thought about God, what did they think about? They thought about laws. They had over 600, the, the Jewish people had over 600 laws that they had to follow. And if they didn't follow those laws, the, the religi- religious leaders were mad at them, and then by extension, they thought God was mad at them. So God was constantly driving them in their mind to do these things that they actually couldn't do in their flesh. That's why we needed Jesus. That's why we needed a Savior. So all of the teaching that they had from God was driving them, and it was pushing them, and they fell short all of the time. And so that's why they're weary and they're burdened. Do you get it? That's this, they were just so weary. Like, we, can't, we can't do these things. I can barely do the four things my wife wants me to do today. These are 600 things that God wants me to do. So I fall short, and it's this heavy, heavy load on me. But Jesus said, come to me. We're going to come to him, the giver of grace. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so all of the things that I listed at the beginning, we're going to do all of those things. As some of them are church things, and some of them are life things, and some of them are, you know, all of the different areas that we have in life. It's not like none of those things are going to go away. But when we choose to do those things in the rhythm of God, they're easy and light. When I get the life that God has for me, it is easy and light. He said this, what is it? Man, it's rest for your souls. Why? Because there's grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Here in the message, paraphrase, verse 27, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly, the Father has given me all these things to do and say. There is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I am not keeping it to myself. I am ready to go over it line by line with anyone who will listen. Verse 28, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? What what was he telling them? Here are these 600 things that you're trying to do that you can't do. Aren't you worn out? Aren't you worn out from all of that? There's a different way to live. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Listen now. Walk with me and work with me. Walk with me. It doesn't actually mean legitimately taking steps. It means... God is walking, he is with me all of the time. That God has a rhythm. And it's a rhythm of grace. I want you to walk with me. 
here, here, come with me. We're going we're gonna to do this now. Here, come with me. We're going to do this. We're going to take out the garbage now. Now, come with me. We're going to drive the kids to school. Come with me. We're going to drive the kids to school now. Come, come with me now. It's time to work. It's time to do your job. It's time to do it really well. All right, time, it's time to go home. It's time to text your wife, find out what she needs from the grocery store. All right, it's time to go to the grocery store. Come on, we're going to do this together. We're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to find all the things that she wants us to find, even though it's like a needle in a haystack sometimes. But hey, I'm going to do this with you. We're going to do this together. And then, hey, you're going to be tired, but then we're going to go home and we're still going to spend time with the kids. Why? Because I'm with you. So we're going to do all the things. Why? Because I'm walking with you. And when I walk with you, I'm giving you grace upon grace, strength upon strength, gift upon gift, all of the times, all of the things that you have to do. God wants us to find the rhythm of grace. Walk with me and work with me. God has stuff for you to do with him. God wants you to accomplish. But we're not doing it for him. We're doing it with him. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to accomplish. And I'm, trying, I'm not trying to do it to make him happy. He has given me his unmerited favor. He is happy with you and I because of Jesus. And he wants us to receive this grace. I'm not living under a law. I'm not living under some negative thought about God, but I'm living under grace. I'm living under God's unmerited favor that he's directed towards you and he's directed towards me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. That's so good. Jesus said, I, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. In other words, Jesus knew on the inside what he saw God wanted to accomplish with his life, and then he would see it, and then he would do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. See, force would be something that's pushing you. I'm pushing you from, you got to do this, and you got to pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. I'm driving you. But what does God do? He leads us. He's out in front of us, showing us the things to do, showing us the ways that he wants to walk. He's not pushing us angrily from behind. He's saying, anticipate. Here's what's coming up. I'm leading you. Can you see that I'm leading you? Can you see that I'm pulling you forward? Can I see that I'm drawing you into the future that I have for you? Unforced. It's not forcing us. He's leading us. Leads me beside still waters. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what we want, right? It's not saying, you know what, I need to cut my to-do list in half this fault. Nope, it's not happening. Just telling you it's not happening. In fact, it's going to grow. But you can do it, right? How are we going to do it? We're going to do it with the grace of God. We're going to do it with the grace of God. Why? Because he's, he's walking with us. 
He wants us to learn this rhythm. The rhythm of life that he has for us. So good to walk in the rhythm of God. So all of us have some work to do this fall. Like I said, inside of the house, outside of the house, where, uh, wherever we're working, and those are the only places that we can work. And we should be working, all of us in the room. Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, the apostle Paul is writing, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. This is part of his history. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So he's like Popeye. All the young kids don't even know what I'm talking about. I am what I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are because God has done something in you right now and he has a plan that he's working through your life right now. For all of you that are single in the room right now and you have a desire to be married in the future, but right now you're single. Embrace it. Enjoy it. I know that you think that getting married is going to solve all of your problems. I love you. <laughs> it's not true. But I know you think if I could just, if I could just walk down the aisle, <laughs> my life, just enjoy it. Just enjoy being single. I am what I am by the grace of God. All the married people. You are married and you need the grace of God to be married. <laughs> so people are like, I don't want to clap too hard, honey. Dads, moms, employees, employers, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's not some albatross around your neck that you're married or you're single. It's not some heavy load to carry because of these things, that you're a dad, I'm a mom, whatever the things that you have to do. No, by the grace of God, you can do it. By the grace of God, you can do it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Listen to this. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them talking about the other apostles. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So Paul is talking about his line of work, the things that he's doing. That they are the apostles of the Lamb, that the, the 11 that were left after Judas committed suicide. Paul is comparing himself to those 11. And he says, I worked harder than the rest of them but not I, the grace of God on the inside of me. I saw what I was doing is really important. I saw what, what God had given me. I saw that what I was was really important for the world. And that's what you have to believe about yourself. What you are, God has made you, and you are important in your family on the job, in the church, in the world, in your community. What am I going to do? I'm going to do it by the grace of God. 
Now we're going to talk about rest, but working harder than the rest of them is good advice. You know, sometimes we, we look at, at certain, you know, gifted people and we think, you know, well, they just had it easy. But you will, if you will search into these gifted people's lives, they added something to their giftedness. And it's called hard work. It's called effort. But once again, we're not saying, oh, my effort, me, me, me. It's like, no, I'm doing it by the grace of God. Not just about me. I'm going to do these things by the grace of God. And listen, hard work is available to everybody. Regardless of your giftedness level, hard work will take you farther than you could imagine. But how, what, how are we going to apply that hard work? By the grace of God. God is going to give me his grace. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, You then, my child, strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that you may have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So what does it say? Strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We have some stuff to do. And so God gives us his strength out of his grace. We don't qualify for his strength because we're so awesome. No, it's unmerited, but then it's favor. Thank God for his favor. That he wants to do you a favor of his strength. He wants you to experience his strength. Don't you want to experience it? Don't we need it? Come on now. Do I have to go over our to-do list again? We got all these things. So what do we need? We're going to need physical strength, obviously, to do, to walk it out. But we're going to need strength on the inside. And strength on the inside comes from Christ. Strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. I'm, I'm in this to please God. I'm in this to do the will of God. I'm not going to get entangled in stuff that's out of my rhythm. God has a rhythm for you to walk in. So let's not change it to our rhythm. Because that's what we can do. We can become... We just get driven in all of these things. Or if we're lazy, <laughs> Xbox, Xbox. I'm a soldier in the army of God, the illustration, the metaphor. I am doing God's thing. And God's thing is me as an individual. God's thing is family. God's thing is work. God's thing is my ability to be an influence here in the culture right now. God has soldier work. An athlete who is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. An athlete. I got, what, what do athletes do that excel? They set aside certain things. Why? Because they want to excel in this area. So I don't, I don't have time for that. Come on now. This is going to be different for all of us. I don't have time for that because I'm doing this. I'm doing God's rhythm. 
So I don't have time for these other things. I don't have time for these other distractions. Why? Because I want to walk in the rhythm of God. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. So he gives us three different metaphors about people who are doing stuff and accomplishing stuff in the context of this idea that, man, by the grace of God, he is strengthening us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever to the day of eternity. Amen. This is why I recommend you take notes on a Sunday morning. So sometimes I won't spend a lot of time on these scriptures, but you can write them down and read them in the afternoon. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, working together with him then. We appeal to you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, use, for, in a useless manner or an empty manner, receive the grace of God and then nothing happened. I didn't do anything with it. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you. In the day of salvation I have helped you, quoting the Old Testament. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We need grace right now. And right now you need the grace to listen and to sit for a few more minutes. But then when we go, oh, we're going to go and we're going to get our kids and then we're going to get in the car and then we're going to go to our responsibilities. Now is the favorable time. Right now is the time of God's grace. It's not some other time. Now is the favorable time. See, and if we live like this, once again, I, I say this a lot, but it's really important that we just don't make our relationship with God a Sunday thing. That when you get up tomorrow morning, tomorrow is the time of favor. Tomorrow morning is the time of God's grace. And then Tuesday morning, when everything really hits. It's the time of God's grace. See, when we get up Tuesday morning, this will read the same. Now is the time. Now is the time of God's favor. I want to walk out those rhythms. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. It says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Something driving you, pushing you. For the Gentiles, and the Gentiles means, in this context, it just means people who don't have a covenant with God. For the Gentiles, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. God knows what we need. And then when we need those things also, two important <laughs> things, just, just seeking, just driven, uh, 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 going to this. No, no, listen, God knows what you need. God has a rhythm for you to walk in. He's not driving you and he's not pushing you. 
He's not demanding of you. He's not the angry father in the stands that he's the loving father. Saying, come on, let's go. I want to do this with you. All the way up to Christmas and beyond. I want to do this with you. Come on, let's do it together. God knows what we need. He knows you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, seeking has to do with what's out in front. God is out in front, not something driving me from behind. Not some just idea, not some law driving me. No, but God is out front. The highest aim, God out in front of me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So all of the things that you have as a desire, those aren't, see, he wasn't saying those were bad things. Those weren't bad desires. It was just, we're not putting those as the highest thing. God will add those things in his rhythm. All of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Every day we can experience the grace of God. Every day God wants to walk with me and strengthen me and help me to do all the things that I have to do. We got a lot of stuff to do, right? We have a lot of stuff to do, right? We got a lot of stuff to do. So it's not about minimizing our list or not adding to the list. It's about all of the things that we do, we do with the grace of God, the favor of God, and Him leading us, drawing us forward every day. Every day I've got new grace for you. Every day I've got new mercies for you. So let's put all our stuff aside for a second. If you have a book or Bible on your lap, let's put it aside for a second. If you have your phone in your hand, put it aside for a second. We're just going to take about 30 seconds here. Scripture tells us Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God, the highest. God, the highest place in our lives. We got all those things to do. We got all those things to accomplish. God is going to do all of those things with us. But those things, including people, are not the highest thing in our life. The highest thing, the most exalted thing is God himself. So for a moment, we're just, for about 30 seconds, we're all going to be quiet. And we're just going to think about God who's going to help us to Christmas and beyond. Be still and know that I am God. God who is stronger, who's more wise, Who's leading us forward. What does he say here? I want to be exalted. I am exalted. So let's just take about 30 seconds or so. Just close our eyes. 
We're just going to do here what the scripture says. Be still and know that I am God. in your presence this morning. We breathe in your grace. God, as we think about our to-do list for the fall, we know that you are greater. That your power is greater. That your wisdom is greater. In every sense, Lord, you are greater. And so we seek after you, Lord. We seek after all that you have for us. God, we thank you that we can find a healthy rhythm in you for all of the things that you have us to do. We just thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.